Welcome to Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast, hosted by Andy Baldacci. Each week, Andy interviews a successful agency owner who shares their proven strategies to help you build and grow your agency. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to episode number 63 of Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Baldacci, and today I've got Jonathan Dane of Client Boost back for another interview, and this is a fun one. I last had Jonathan on the podcast back in May of 2016, and he was sharing the story of how he and his team grew Client Boost, the PPC agency, to over 100K a month in recurring billing in the first year all while maintaining 60% margins. If that's not impressive enough, since then, Client Boost has tripled to over 300K in recurring billings. They didn't get here by discovering some new growth hack. Instead, they kept that momentum going by doubling down on what works, namely content marketing. Today, we talk about how Jonathan has built a brand in the competitive PPC space by using content marketing, the insanely ambitious content series his team put out over the holidays and how it's paying off today, as well as how he's handled the growing pains at Client Boost. Jonathan has an endless supply of energy to say the least, a wealth of knowledge. He knows how to build a successful agency in a hurry, and today he holds nothing back. His last interview was one of the most listened to interviews of this show, and he said he wanted to top it this time, and honestly, I think he succeeded. You don't want to miss this interview, so without further ado, here's Jonathan. Jonathan, thanks so much for coming on the show again. I am so excited to be back. So many things to talk about. And uh, and like you told me last time, I think a lot of people got some value from the previous podcast. So my goal is to outdo myself this time. So Ooh, I'm excited. All right, you're setting the bar high. You're setting the bar high. <laughs> but I like that. So when we did last talk, it was back in May of 2016. And you had just put out a post where you're talking about how you built Client Boost to up to over 100K MRR in the first year. Your team had about 14 people on it, which is honestly incredibly impressive. But you were also talking a little bit about some of the growing pains you would run into because you didn't realize how quickly you'd have to hire. So how have things changed since we last talked? Um, so they come, like like we talked about last time, Like there's these momentum shifts where for some reason you get, and this is with content marketing where you can't turn the faucet on and off as easily as you would with like PPC traffic. So um, sometimes we don't know when, when the, you know, things are coming through and uh, things are happening as far as client acquisition. But since then, actually, I think I put that post out in March today, actually, which is January 31st, 2017. Um, we've hit 300,000 uh, MRR. And uh, our goal is to be at 250 by the end of year. So this is our second year anniversary that we just um, had happen. The more profit that we had, the more it has allowed us to kind of hire ahead of time. And so that's what we've been starting to do. Um, and since we talked last time, we had nobody on the marketing and sales team. Um, and we're now one, two, three, four, five, plus myself. So six total now. And we're adding more ammunition to the, the tank I guess you can say that artillery. I don't know what the word is, but but yeah. <laughs> How big is your overall team right now? So right now we're about 23 people. Where do you think most of that growth has come from? I think it's a snowball effect, honestly, of, of our content. So, we, I mean, we planted a seed early in the days and, um, and, you know, that's how we got to the 100K mark. And now... You know, I think it, we've seen the amount of volume of conversions come up higher. The, the for some reason the uh, the the lead quality has increased sometimes too, um, and a lot of times people we found have like read our content, love our what we put out, and then they will refer somebody to us, and we've never spoken with either of them 
So that's a pretty cool, like, you know, side effect in a good way that happens from, from content. And I, I just think that, you know, building a brand takes time. And I think it kind of amplifies over time as well. It's not the most scientific answer I can give you, but it's what I think. <laughs> it's what I think is going on. And are all of your eggs still, for the most part, in the content basket? Or have you diversified in other so acquisition channels? Literally just yesterday, we launched um, our, like, and it's crazy. We had like a 70% conversion rate on it. We launched a, um, a case study portal. And um, so we're going to start using this for retargeting. So depending on if you go in our proposal funnel, because we have like a four-step uh, proposal funnel that you go into. If we see that you're in there, but you didn't finish you'll get hit with retargeting ads on Facebook now with case studies from cool companies like Mention, Segment, Autopilot, and things like that. So we're starting to do that. So now we have, again, more more profit because we're a bigger company. Now we have more revenue. And now we're going to add more channels and more gas to the fire. So a lot of it, we're still doubling down on the content and uh, and putting out more. And and like uh, what you saw back in December, our Gifographic, which was insane that we did that, looking back at it. So that's still happening. That's our bread and butter but I wouldn't be surprised if eventually, you know, going to conferences or doing our own PPC or outbound, whatever it may be, can kind of start catching up. And that would be great. That would be a great thing to have happen. Last time you were on, you talked a lot about how you've really built a brand around content marketing. And over the holidays, like you just mentioned, you really took it to the next level with the 25 part Gifographic series. And we talked a little bit before the call about the best way to pronounce that. We both agree. <laughs> Hard G, Gifographic. If, if, anybody, guys, if anybody is listening to this on their way to, to work or on their drive, they're like, no, 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 no. It's Gifographics. I'm like, well, first off, ask yourself, you sound silly. And two, it's not peanut butter. It's not the GIF. Like, it's, it stands for graphics interchange format. So, uh, you know, case closed. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Agreed. So anyways, what was this 25-part series? So <laughs> um, what we've kind of figured out over time is that if we do everything that we're putting out there, based on the equation, like anything you can do, I can do better, I think we'll be all right. And so what I mean by that is like if somebody comes out with a blog post on a certain topic that's in our realm, our world, well, if we want to write about it, we're going to make ours way better than theirs. And how do you make it better? Well, you make it bigger, longer, funnier, more visual, things like that. Uh, and then you do a better job promoting it, right? So it's the same thing when it came from the infographics side because we were back in the day when I first started off, I was thinking to myself, the fastest way to grow is to partner with companies who have you know, fans and, you know, prospects that are in line with what we offer too. So uh, on the early side, we partner with Unbounce, the landing page platform, because we knew people would need PVC traffic, right? So um, from, from there, like we basically said to ourselves, hey, we see that when companies vouch for us, it does us very well. And it's something that some of our competitors aren't doing, especially at the age of how young we are and, and that we can actually get away with it. So I was completely Yosemite Sam uh, in the thought that like, hey, let's just go out there guns blazing and let's ask 25 companies if they will partner with us on a Gifographic. So we did all the legwork. So it'd be easy for them to say yes. Um, but then they would obviously post it on their blog and have their logo next to ours as if they were vouching for us. So so all I basically did was I took, you know, one yes from a couple companies that were the first people who were asking and then took that as proof to ask for the yes from the next companies we were asking. So I was just kind of, you know, walking up the ladder in a sense and eventually asking Marketo and HubSpot and things like that. And so anyways, long story short, it came, now there's a lot of webinar opportunities and all these things too. So uh, we had a killer December month, which is usually really slow 
in the agency B2B world. Um, and it was like one of the best sales months we've ever had. So can we attribute all to the Giffographics? Definitely not. It's very gut related sometimes. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's kind of the gist of it. <laughs> and for people who aren't familiar, what is a Giffographic? So it's basically just an infographic with animation. So anything that you have that's static, you know, as a picture or visuals on a GIF, on an infographic, the GIF is just the animation behind it, right? So you're trying to animate the certain things in the sections of the, of the infographic to, again, make it more enjoyable, which kind of goes back to our law of like anything you can do, we can do better. Um, it's the same thing if you're doing like an explainer video. Well, if you want to kick it up a notch and you didn't want to, you know, just do a whiteboard video or like an animated explainer video, you might consider something called paper crafting, which is literally somebody cutting out beautiful, you know, whatever illustrations you have, somebody's cutting them out in, uh, in paper in like, you know, thin, thin cardboard. And then they'll do like a stop motion out of it, right? Like that's something that we're working on as well. So we want to keep trying to, you know, step, kick it up a notch. And that's what we did with the GIF graphics. Where are these ideas coming from? I'm just pulling them like I, I, so I do a lot of time spent on a, on a, on a website called dribble and it's like a, it's like a designer portfolio. And these designers are amazing designers. They're ones that work for Dropbox, Facebook, um, a bunch of startups too. And um, the things that they come out with and like the, the way that they're able to turn like an idea into something that's visually appealing is so hard to do. Um, but if you do it right, and that's what I think a part of our growth has happened to is that we care about our design. We care about our illustrations and like these small things matter. And, uh, and so that's where I get a lot of my inspiration from actually. Because it's funny when you think about design and like immediately I think of Stripe, there's a few different startups yeah, that you yeah. know. Take. We, use, we use Stripe and I think I was attracted to them because of their design. I trust them immediately mm-hmm. as, as well. Sorry, not to cut you off. No, 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 but it's, it's like you think it, there's a few stars you think of, but it's very rare that you think about agencies. Like maybe they'll say we take design seriously for our clients, but very rarely do they take it seriously for themselves and in their own brand. Was that conscious choice for you right from the very beginning to place a priority on your design? It was, and it's, it's actually one of the reasons why we have two full-time brand designers right now and they're just working on split testing our pop-ups um split testing our actual site our proposal flow coming out with a new you know marketing campaigns that we're launching and things like that and also doing more content upgrades and things so they you know we're tied into goals where with with the marketing team saying hey we want to increase the amount of email subscribers we're getting per month and the amount of leads that we're getting so Let's make a, a brain, brainstorm a list and let's prioritize together what we think, you know, takes the le- least amount of resources that can get us results the fastest and adjust from there, right? So, so to answer your question, like we're, we're investing even more, you know, in-house to be able to do that. And I think we'll keep extrapolating that because now we can actually, you know, turn things out a lot quicker as well. One thing I want to I dive into a little bit of the kind of the mechanics of how you made this series work because that takes a ton of coordination to get 25 of these (laughs) ready, not just even on the design side, but dealing with 25 different partners. Oh, yeah. What did that look like? We were actually pretty late to it. And so um, I knew for the the first thing that we had to do was actually – We'll figure out, you know, a list of 25 potential partners. And some are going to say no, some are going to say yes, obviously. Um, and then from there, figure out like 25 topics. And then from those topics, and they would have to appeal to the, to the partner, obviously, as well. 
And, uh, and then from there, like write out the content and the sections of the Giphographic. And if they were cool with it, we'll share it with a Google Doc. They can give notes, we can adjust. And then from there, we'll just basically have uh, an, a blog post that's already outlined. But then we also had to write a guest post and a post for ourselves per. So we actually not only created the 50, or sorry, not, not 25 Giphographics, but we also wrote 50 blog posts in that time frame. I, yeah, I don't think we saw our families for like a, no, I'm just kidding, we did. <laughs> we were insanely busy, but it was an amazing feat. And I think, you know, those Giphographics planted the seeds for a lot of good things to come in the future too. When you're writing emails to these partners, how are you positioning it? What's in it for them? Um, so just the exposure, I think. And I, it was a novel idea. Like we're actually making a an advent calendar for marketers, right? And that's something that nobody's ever done really before. Um, it's actually funny because one of our partners did like a 12 days of Christmas. So it wasn't to the extravagance of what we did. So, But they said yes. And I didn't figure out about it later that they already had their own thing running. So it was kind of funny doing that. It was pretty direct. Uh, I was just saying, hey, guys, we're actually launching this, you know, Giphographic uh, calendar for marketers, and we would love to have you be part of it. Basically, we're not asking you to do any work, just making sure that we are aligned on the content. We'll do the design. We'll do the animation and the development, everything. And then we'll write a, uh, you know, a guest post for your blog as well to highlight that. And so there was a lot of people that did not understand it at all to begin with. And it was like, I wasn't good at explaining it either. And so there was like some back and forth. And then... One of the things was where I actually reached out to Neil Patel and wanted to do one with him. And he was like, I don't think it's going to go viral enough. I'm like, well, that's, that's not the goal, Neil. I just want to have this and I want to have your name on it because it's cool. And he's like, yeah, but I don't think it's going to go viral. And then we kind of started talking, you know, about things and, and, and we're, he, was, he was also busy and stuff like that. So those are examples of like where this didn't work out. But for others, um, people were like super excited because they've already seen our content before and they knew who we were. And then I also had an example of one we did a long time ago with Unbounce, uh, like the AdWords workout series and things like that. So they kind of understood it that way. Yeah, and it's funny. It's when you explain it that way, it's like when you look at these Giphographics. And so if people are listening, I'm going to have it all linked up in the show notes. But if you're listening, you can go to clientboost, client with a K, dot com forward slash marketing dash infographic. And that will just have all of the others probably going to take a bit of power on your computer, but it's definitely worth it. But it's not even just the Giphographic, like these are multi-thousand word articles that go along with it that have a ton of value in them. And so like I'm thinking to like about like Neil Patel, like man, like why wouldn't he just say yes if you're basically doing all of it for him? I don't know. I mean, that's what I was thinking too. But I guess, you know, I think I, I originally got the Giphographic idea um, or he actually mentioned it on stage once a long, long time ago. But then his, the execution of what I saw him do wasn't at all close to what I was doing. And so, you know, he grew, I think, Kissmetrics really well through infographics in the early days when it was very hot and uh, not a lot of people were doing it. And so, you know, he has a good pulse, I think, on what it does, what it can do. And, uh, you know, I don't blame him for it. You know, we had an interesting call afterwards about maybe potentially starting an agency together. But, uh, but so I would, I would take that as being valuable, but, um, but yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't into the, he wasn't into the idea itself. <laughs> Are there many other companies doing something like, like doing Giphographics? Um, no, I mean, there are ones like, uh, I think hrcloud.com. They're actually like an HR SaaS company. They, uh, do very awesome stuff for their blog where it's just like the featured image is a GIF. And if you go to their Twitter, like they're nothing but awesome illustrated animated GIFs that they have as well. So, but those are the only ones I see that kind of, kind of, you know, 
get close to the the style and the execution that what we've done so far. Yeah. That's interesting. It's funny because I'm curious, like once you got this out there, once you, you had a landing page set up for it where people could sign up, they could get notified of all of them coming out. After these have all been released, how do things look like? Obviously, you said you had your biggest month, but did you see a big uptick in traffic and links? What actually happened? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've seen steady growth month over month from our traffic as is right now and, um, and the backlinks as well. But funny enough, like the biggest thing that I was actually bummed about was the people who would subscribe and then also unsubscribe because we, we, we emailed people every single day and people were like, oh, this is, you know, this is quite a bit, you know. And so that, that was a bummer that we couldn't retain some of them. But again, like I think, you know, looking back, would I do this again? Not to this extreme, I think. I think I'd be more calculated. But I think long term, like the seeds that we're able to plant today is something that we can't even, I can't even see if they're going to pay off that well in the future, but I, I definitely think they will. A lot of this is honestly the reason why I think podcasting is such a strong channel is because of the connections that it helps you start and the relationships it helps you build. And it seems like you're starting to see that with all of these partners you've reached out to. Was that a deliberate part of what led you to go after the strategy or was that just an unintended benefit? So that, that's the challenge because I think, again, when I look back at it, it was such a gut Yosemite Sam type of, uh, type of deal. So, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't truly know, to be honest. Yeah, but, but now that it's happened, how impactful have those relationships been? Or you talked to a little bit before about webinars. Yeah. What has come from these, these, uh, relationships? I think it's still too early to tell because it was just last month that we kind of finished them up. So, um, I think now we have our foot in the door with a lot of companies and uh, even some companies that we didn't partner with saw it and have reached out to us since then. Um, one of them being like Mention. We'll have to see, but I think I, I'm not going to shy away. Marketo was actually asking for, to do more stuff in the future. Um, so it's just a matter of like who who's going to go after it and who's actually going to, you know, roll back their sleeves and stuff like that too. So um, that's something that we're going to actually pursue, but we'll see. I think there's going to be some more bigger collaboration ideas coming coming down the pipeline but i'm not we haven't really planned it yet to be honest <laughs> right and it's because in the early days you built a lot of your reputation and brand by posting pretty heavily on unbounce right um it was a few guest posts i think i had like four on there so like one of the posts has almost like 400 comments so that one has done extremely well so i think you know you have like that one hit and then that helps out too and it's you know, a lot of guest posts so far have been, we can see that the referral source of our lead has come from there. So it's definitely a strategy that I would implement 100% again and again, uh, if we're starting out. And also now it's just, for now, it's just like a prioritization thing, right? Like, where do we think we get the most bang for a buck? Is it is it building it on our own, you know, piece of land? Or do we go out and do it for somewhere else? And to begin with, we had to do it on somebody else because we had no, we had no followers. We had nothing going on for us just yet. But yeah, for now, I think we're more, more keen on investing our own for our own stuff and then going forward what do those priorities look like now as as far as it relates to content marketing so basically we didn't have a content calendar forever and we just started doing that thanks to the cynthia on the team before we would be like oh crap like what what are we going to launch next week (laughs) and that was the challenge right so one of the big things we actually changed up because not only as a 
you know, because I love marketing myself. I love the sales aspect. So I love, I could be the CMO basically if I wanted to, like here. Like I think that's what I'm really good at. But I also have other responsibilities. Like I have to train people. I want to be able to give people the resource they need. So in regards to content, what things we decided to do was, from my own perspective, the best way I've ever been able to learn anything is when I have to teach it to others, right? I have to sound eloquent enough that people believe me and don't call BS. And that comes through writing. So we've since starting of this year, we're actually requiring everybody on the team to write four blog posts a year, just once a quarter, uh, and then give like a little internal you know, presentation about it or things like that, whatever, you know, topic they choose. So we're now adding more fuel to the fire just internally by what we're doing. And it'll help, you know, train people at the same time. And that's where we've been able to create that content calendar. So we know, you know, six months out what we have going on for, for what we do internally. Will that be the sole source of your content on your blog? Um, no, I don't think so. I think um, we're working on some other potential courses and guides and ebooks and stuff like that with other companies too like um big commerce for example reached out when they saw our hrefs gifographic that we did which was actually neil patel's original like if he said yes hrefs wouldn't be able to do it but they got it and, and it's funny because they didn't see the shopify one because we did one with shopify too but they saw that they might be pretty bummed um but but so like if that happens and uh and we finish whatever partnership we're doing then we'll probably just add that to the the calendar list and not wait, you know, six months before I can actually go live. We'll, you know, we'll say, Hey, this is a great piece of content. Let's get it out in front of as many people as possible. And then, you know, from there we'll continue our regular schedule that we have set up. You talked a little bit about the Yosemite Sam nature of the Gifographic series for the rest of the content that you have planned out. I, I know you said you're starting to get the content calendar in place and to have a bit more rigor behind all of that. How much goes into the actual Rather than the scheduling, how much is going into the planning of what to write about? Like when everyone from your team is writing their pieces of content, is it just truly anything they want to write about within reason? Or where is the direction coming from? So so two two aspects to this is that one, we just know what we want to rank for. So those are the focus keywords we're going to write about. We don't uh, we found that like competition levels and things like that that we can do with you know the keyword planner or whatever research doesn't really matter much. We just want to make sure there's volume behind it. And so that's that's the first thing. The second thing is then, yeah, we, we do have some pretty strict guidelines for the the team member to actually write around. So they should have their own voice and have their own humor. But we, we want to see their outline first so they know what the topic is. And we're saying, hey, go do your research on all the competing blog posts that are currently ranking for this specific, you know, focus keyword. And then take all the good things that they have and then make, you know, add more levels to it so that you can make it basically longer, deeper, funnier, more actionable. We actually say that they have to write at least 3,000 words as well, which is a lot per blog post. Um, some of them, depending on the topic, it'll be less, but you know, we'll take that as we go along because you know, that's obvious. And so those are like the, the, the key metrics, right? We want to make sure that one, it encompasses all the, the blog posts of our competitors and, and what they're writing about, and it adds more to it. So consider like a listicle type of blog post. Well, if everybody says they have nine things, we have 17 things. Like that's our, that's our measuring stick, basically. We just want to be like Texas and, and everything's bigger over where we're from. That's, and it sounds silly, but like that's, that's the it. And then we do just a really good job promoting it. And then people see it. They give us backlinks. And it's all, that part is very organic in the sense. The promotion itself is not. That's uh, a lot of um, performance-enhancing drugs and things like that that were due to, to, to be unfair. Well, no, but let's, are we able to talk about any of what the promotion looks like? Because it's something that so many people in the content marketing world it's, it's so important. It's crucial, but no one really gets into the details. And I don't know how many emails I get 
every week of someone just like spamming me some random URL asking me to share it. So I'm sure that's not what you're doing. So what are you doing to promote the content? So two things is like go straight for the jugular. It's funny enough. Like people have gotten those bullshit emails for so long for now. Um, and they're like, hey, I noticed blah, blah, blah that you're linking to it. But we just came out with this. You should consider. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, like scratch my back first. So one of the biggest things that we've done is we cared about scratching a ton of backs first. And then we're actually able to create private Slack groups so that when other companies have something they're coming out with content-wise, we'll promote it for them. And then vice versa, we expect them to promote it for us when we do that as well. So if we find that we're the only agency of what we do marketing-wise in that group, then we're going to do pretty well because we have an army behind us that can actually help promote our stuff of influencers. Um, and as you know, we help level each other up with our own content promotion you know, their snowball gets bigger as well. So when they tweet or when they share, it means more and more for us in the future too. That's the biggest thing. The second thing is being able to use that and also using PBC as like a catalyst because all content is great. But if you can speed up the process, let's say that we are boosting our post on Facebook and then if anybody clicks through on it and they read it for 30 or 60 seconds and we know that there's intent, well, they're now cooking to be another audience with a different offer. So we're kind of trying to push them down our marketing funnel because anything content related doesn't matter at all if you can't get results from it, right? So that's kind of the two, the, the two-pronged approach that we use pretty well. Yeah, because I remember when we last talked, I don't think you were doing much actual PPC yourselves. And so now you've built out more of a, a Facebook retargeting funnel around it. Yep, exactly. So that's what we're slowly doing. So for a long time, it was just nothing but a actual idea. And now that we have more and more traffic, we can take advantage because we can move audiences quicker from one place to the next. So this is where we're going to figure out like, hey, you know, do we have webinars that we're going to create, um, things like that. So, you know, if they have downloaded an ebook, well, let's say, let's say they've done this. Let's say they've read a blog post, they download a white paper or an ebook, they then ask for some case studies, and then we ask them to join a webinar. And then if that, if they actually go, you know, from that step to step, well, the last thing that we have to ask them is, do you want a proposal? And now we know that they're a warm lead. We, we can still unqualify them, obviously, but that's something that we're actually building out right now. And what did that, because originally I remember that was one thing I asked you about was just your call to action on the website is just get my free proposal. And looking at it now, that has changed a bit since then. And like I think you said earlier that it's now a four-step funnel or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually, it's, it's so funny you ask. It's the exact same as when last time we talked. I think it's like a, it's a three step. So the, the only four step I'm mentioning is like if they click on the button to open the light box, that's the first step. And then there's an additional three steps after that. But yeah, we haven't in the entire growth that we've seen. Uh, sadly enough, we haven't even tested anything on our own website or on our own uh, proposal pop up layout or anything like that. Uh, it's been pretty it's been pr- pretty sad, but kind of cool at the same time. So now we have a lot of potential. Right. And where are you? Have you been focusing that testing, those testing resources? Where, where has the priority been for that? So we didn't, we didn't have any resources. <laughs> Myself, it was, uh, it was solo me, right? So if we had like designers on staff that weren't filled up with, with clients just yet, you know, maybe they can come over and help out here and there for a few, you know, one day a week. But we would then fill them up so quickly that that just wasn't, you know, sustainable long term. Um, so now that we actually have, you know, two designers on brand, one of them, Shane is actually focusing solely on, you know, that's his main goal is to increase 
conversion rates on the the proposal form and also on just email subscribers. Mm-hmm. At what point were you comfortable hiring someone to work exclusively on the brand? Well, at that time, actually, we actually overhired a bit, to be honest. And I, I wasn't quite comfortable with it because it was just uh, we had some moving around internally in the company where it was clear that two people were actually going to be given the job. One was going to be really good that we can use for the brand side. And then one was going to be really good to lead the CRO team. And then we also had another person that we were bringing on board as a designer, but he was more like part-time. And so all of a sudden we had two designers. We had to do that. So it wasn't necessarily like the usual way that I'd like to go about it. But looking back at it, it, it worked out. And I'm glad we kind of took that that jump. And I think we were about, we actually were at like the 200,000 mark um, in MRR when that happened. Because I think with talking to so many different agency owners, I think the way you described it before having those resources is sort of the default for a lot of them is that if someone has some free time, they'll pull them off, whatever it is, and to say like, all right, now it's time to like tackle this one thing on the site. Client work will come up, they'll get pulled off. And it's really hard to make progress. And so do you have any advice for them on, on when it does make sense for them to at least start investing, whether it's in a full-time employee or just dedicating time to the brand? Yeah, I think, well, from day one, we started doing that. Um, the first hire I had before we even had any clients was our lead designer that that actually took another opportunity who's no longer with us. And that's hence why we had to do the move around. Um, but that was my for, that was my goal because I knew from from an agency perspective, I mean, so many so many companies, and I think I told talked about this last time we talked together, I'm like, so many marketing agencies suck at marketing themselves. And it's, and it's true because a lot of people are given the key to the castle when a client signs up with them because their brand's already established. It's not going to be that hard to mess things up or potentially get results, right? But if you're building thought leadership and you're trying to build brand equity yourself, well, you want to take a close look at yourself and make sure that, hey, you don't look like everybody else, cookie cutter, you know, meaning your stock photos, you don't have professional pictures of yourself, um, you have no personality. And so from day one, I decided to make that investment uh, because I knew that was what was going to set us apart long term because people see our design. Uh, we have people who have ripped us off our design completely and uh, we'll, we'll soon get like a cease and desist letter. I just don't have time to do it. You know, they say that flattery or what is it? Copying or something like that is the biggest form of flattery. So, so these things are happening and it's because I'm like, hey, let's make sure that people can see that we've, we care about that. Like we've invested and we care about those details and it's hard to measure. And it's so subjective, but, you know, I can see again and again that people, you know, come to us out of the woodworks and just say, hey, we love your content. We love your design, what you're doing. Uh, it's incredible. And so that's kind of what I take it from. And I, and I feel like, again, if I'm judging myself against another agency, you know, I can, I can tell like, hey, these guys are doing this really well and uh, we need to do better in that and we'll adjust ourselves. But a lot of people can't see that. A lot of people are analytical. They're not the creative side and that's where they kind of fall short. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because one of the things that I hear a lot for advice when it comes to starting a growing agency is to really niche down because then you almost solve the differentiation problem without needing to do as much. If you just say, I work with X and I help them with Y, you're differentiating yourself and you don't need to do as much of the more creative work on branding because you're not competing with really anybody else, or at least that's the goal. But you from the beginning have said you don't really want to niche down. You want to do PPC yeah. <laughs> almost for anybody and everybody. Is that still true? 
It's still true. Um, and it's so funny because I, I mean, there's kind of like three levels to it. It's one, when you decide to go out on your own, if you want to build an agency, if you want to be solo, well, you can do that and you can have a decent client size yourself because you're guest blogging and that's kind of how you're building your own name, not your company name, but your own name, right? Um, but at some point, you're like, can I get more? Um, and for me, that's where I got pretty selfish. I'm like, hey, I've actually already built an agency before in Utah. Um, I know I can do it. And I know I can do it in a different way. I can do it with content. And so from there, I'm like, I want to keep building and scaling this up. And if I pigeonhole myself and I go niche, well, then I don't appeal to a lot of people. I can't be, again, my two goals in life were make a lot of money and be like the Michael Jordan and what I do, which is like, be in a sense, like be famous. And so I can't do that if I niche myself. If I'm only for medical doctors or if I'm for plumbers or whatever like i'm i i'm not gonna go speak at inbound or moz or unbalanced or whatnot like that's what i want to do i'll just be honest like that's my selfish goal so so that's the main driver for what i'm like hey a lot of people are saying the opposite like the world doesn't need another pbc blog the world doesn't need another uh landing page post or whatever it may like may be and i'm like sure they do they just don't know they haven't seen it when it's done this way you know what i mean and so that's kind of where we're at now it's, it's interesting because a lot of times the objections that I hear to niching down, they're afraid of turning away clients. They don't think they're able to reach their goals. But when you dig deeper, if, the, if their goals are a few million dollars a year, niching honestly isn't a bad strategy. Like that's no, one no, way to get, get there. Yeah. yeah. But when your goals are to absolutely dominate an industry, to become one of the thought leaders in something, if you don't want to just go to the pediatric dentist conference of New England <laughs> – then you do have to go a little bit bigger. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that, and that for me too, like I think, like you said, a lot of companies decide to go down that, that rabbit hole. Um, but the other funny thing is that when you niche down and you say you are the PBC agency for e-commerce shops or PBC agency for plumbers, the way you execute your work for them and if, if you just pop the hood and you let me take a look for a quick second, I know everything you're doing, right? If I inherit a client account from an agency that was niche, like your entire value proposition is crap because like you can, you can certainly see that you have a lot of case studies around plumbers that you can you know, use to attract other plumbers. That's great. But like the actual work that you're doing, your secret sauce isn't secret at all. And that's a, that's a problem too that I think when it comes to niching down in the marketing side with PBC a lot of the same best practices work well for all verticals. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. But if like you're a PR agency and you're really good at uh, dental stuff and you have the connections, that's a different story. You know what I mean? But we don't have to have those connections when we're PBC in the PBC world. And what does it ultimately come down to a lot of the time? Is it just going to be targeting? Is it copywriting? Because I, I would still assume that there is some expertise from industry to industry, but are, are you saying that effectively that there might be some differentiation between working with client A and client B, but you can still pretty quickly figure it out? Yeah, and I, I'm going to sound really cocky right now and, and say like, hey, if, if you, again, the example is like you are a plumber and, and you're, a PBC, or sorry, you're a PBC agency that does work for plumbers, I can use SpyFu and I can look at your landing pages and I can immediately see how I can outperform you really quickly. And the two biggest things when it comes to lead gen and SaaS for PBC to work is one, granularity, and two, multi-step landing pages. And I think we might have talked about this last time. Those are the two biggest things that move the needle quite a bit. And then everything else is just cherries and sprinkles on top, to be honest. Like they still matter and they make it, you know, everything taste better, but they're not the main ingredient. And that's where a lot of people, you know, they they another thing that I found too is that a lot of people try to fix the sink when the well is broken. 
and uh, we focus on the well. We focus on the, the sales side or the, the conversion rate side first. And when we improve that and unlock so much more wiggle room on the PPC side where everybody else kind of does it the opposite. They started within PPC and they're like, oh yeah, we'll look at the landing page side eventually. Or we're, we don't have a CRO team, so we'll just give you some ideas that you can run yourself. Um, that's a challenge for a lot of companies. And I honestly had forgotten about that differentiation between you and other PPC agencies is that you don't just do... You're not just driving traffic. You're actually making sure that, that traffic does convert. And is that still something that is relatively rare in the industry? Uh, I think more and more people are doing it. But again, it, it depends too because um, you know copywriting is important. All the factors are important. The way that you have your layout is important. But a lot of it is subjective until you start getting the data back. So many companies, many um um, agencies right now, they're, they'll be using like templates and stuff like that, which can still work. There's nothing wrong with that. Like then, then goal is to get results, right? So it doesn't really matter how you get there. And there's a million paths to get from point A to point B. I see like an uptick about it. But again, I see that people don't, the execution is wrong. And a lot of people will ask us, what's the difference between you guys and, and agency X? And I'm like, you know what? It's going to sound really stupid. They do PPC, they do landing pages, but their execution is crap compared to ours. And then, you know, I show them like our dribble portfolio and show them some case studies. And the people that don't understand design or user experience have a really hard time getting past that, that bump and how much it actually impacts your overall performance. Um, because there's so many times that we found that when we design a landing page for our client, we will ask them eventually during their relationship, hey, are you okay if we kind of go off, off the cuff here and do like a little different type of like redesign, maybe some brand adjustments? Is that okay with you? And we'll do that. We'll test the landing page. It'll perform better. And they come to us and want us to redesign their entire site because of that, right? So, so that happens um, quite often. Then we just say, hey, yeah, it's forty to $50,000. And they're like, okay, never mind. <laughs> and we <laughs> won't you, do it. Would you redesign their entire site? We would, yeah. Yeah, okay. we would. And we've and we, uh, we done, again, we, we charge more because we don't, we don't want to do it either, to be honest. It's a great chunk of change to have. But um, I've also realized that as we've grown our own agency, like the power of saying no is so valuable and I still suck at it. So it's something that I have to like, you know, basically try to test myself over and over again until I finally learn. I haven't learned yet. So I'm going to stop Jonathan right there for a quick word for our sponsor, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. The agency advantage podcast is brought to you by Hubstaff. Hubstaff makes time tracking software for remote teams so you can stop tracking time with spreadsheets and start getting the insights into how your team is spending their time that only screenshots and in-depth reports can give you. You probably know that by now, but what you may not know is that we recently launched a platform called Hubstaff Talent that makes it easier for you to find and hire high-quality freelancers around the world. Whether you just need extra hands for a specific project or you're looking for something long-term, Hubstaff Talent is what you need. Best of all, it's 100% free. We don't take a cut and we don't act as a middleman. Our goal is for you to use Hubstaff for time tracking, but you're not required to do so. If you're looking to grow your team with remote freelancers and don't want to pay big fees to Upwork, head over to talent.hubstaff.com today and create a free profile for your agency and start posting your jobs. That's talent.hubstaff.com. All right, let's get back to Jonathan. And so while it's obviously not really a niche because it's so massive a market, you, you're committed to at least relatively staying with inside the PPC world rather than trying to be a full service agency. Is that yeah, accurate? Yeah. If I would do anything, I would uh, create a brand new brand and, uh, and say, hey, we do SEO or we do 
you know, social or whatever. I've considered that before. I just, you know, partnering with the right people. Um, there could be a lot of cool stuff there because we kind of, I feel like we have like the blueprint on creating an agency and doing it really well. And we can even do it faster now because we've learned a lot. But I would never do it within the same brand. And the reason why is because once you've, you know, established a thought leadership that is hard to establish and doing it so quickly, once you start going outside of your realm, people are like, uh, really? Like it actually, for me, if you know, add espresso, right? The blog yeah, and the company, <laughs> the, the <laughs> company is more important, obviously. Um, so they write everything about Facebook advertising, but then they started writing content about content marketing. And even though that's the main driver of their business, I'm like, I don't want to hear this from you guys. You know what I mean? Keep focused on what you guys are doing really well with. Um, and it kind of like made me devalue them a little bit. And I've, and I've told that to them too, because we actually work with them. Um, and so that's what I'm really afraid of. I don't want to start going out and, you know, talking about PR tactics or SEO stuff um, when it's not something that, that, you know, I want to build a thought leadership around. I think it could work, but I'd rather double down on what I know it's already working because it will let me, you know, quote unquote, become the Michael Jordan much quicker. Now I don't have to learn another sport and also be, you know, pro at baseball, for example. Right. And how big do you think a PBC only agency could get? Um, so we're eyeballing to be at 600,000 MRR by the end of the year. I take it year by year. And, uh, and so far there's no slowing down. So, you know, I, I, I mean, look at the bigger ones. Um, but like, then you look at like Merkel and like actual, you know, international agencies that are kind of gobbling up other agencies. They do a wide range of, of different services, obviously. So who knows? Maybe, maybe, you know, we start acquiring, you know, PBC divisions at agencies that aren't PBC focused, but they have those extra clients that they really, you know, are not good at. That could be the first step. And then eventually they might, you know, we might become the bigger fish in the pond itself. So I just, I just take it kind of year by year and, and day by day. And then for this year, what is your biggest challenge that you're trying to tackle? Um, I think it's just making sure, and I think we talked about this last time, is that I really want everybody to, all department heads that are leading a certain charge, to be able to just own it. I think that's the biggest challenge is that I am still, still very much involved. I mean, I, you know, I think I'm, I'm really good at a lot of things, but eventually I want to like, hey, you're focused on this 100% of the time. Like I only can dedicate 10% of my time or 20% of my time. So don't let me outperform you. That doesn't make any sense. Like you're being paid very well to do this. So I think that's the biggest challenge right now. And once that happens, I will feel more at ease building around them as if they're like a franchise player, giving them the team that they need, the resources they need so that I can go out and be more like a, of an evangelist. Like I want to be, I want to be Rand Fishkin, you know, I, I eventually don't want to be the CEO. Um, I'd rather be a founder and have somebody else run it because I want to dabble into the SaaS side and maybe we, we create products and tools ourselves internally first that can be spun to be something much bigger than, than the agency itself, which again happened to Moz too. So those are things that I'm kind of working on and, and figuring out. But the first thing is, is infrastructure, making sure that's super solid. How long of a timeline? Like obviously these things are hard to predict, but is that a, a goal you're hoping to be more comfortable with at the end of the year, at the end of a couple of quarters? When do you think you'll be able to shift your focus towards more of the PR publicity type of stuff? Yeah. So the first, it's a good question because we actually just started this year, like starting putting goals behind everybody's uh, department, so to speak. So our director of PBC and our director of design, their goal is retention rate and being able to keep it at a certain level or improve it, obviously. Right. Um, for our marketing side, their goals are lead volume and email subscriber volume. 
And then for our sales side, it's kind of like the outbound. Like how many, how predictable can you get this to be? How many appointments can you set? Um, because once they show me that they work, hey, we're going to hire sales development reps for you because you now have the blueprint because you tested it on yourself. So we actually have that first Google deadline coming up April 15th. And so we actually have these little uh, leadership half-day getaways, which was somebody's idea. We haven't had one yet. We'll see where we go. I don't know. Uh, where we then go and like just talk about business, you know, treat ourselves and things like that and have fun. Um, so that's coming up. Yeah. What else is on the calendar for you? Do you, do you have any speaking engagements coming up? Yeah. So I'm, I'm speaking at a, uh, I don't even know the, it's called Stat Search um, in March for one of their conferences there. It's about agency growth, funny enough. And um, I'm one of the keynote speakers here in March. And then I'm going to Vancouver again. Got asked to come back to the Unbounce Conference in June. And then I would love to speak at uh, Inbound in November and the Moz. So not the Moz, but uh, the Moz Conference. <laughs> Those are the kind of ones I've eyeballed. I've only set a goal for myself for doing four because I don't think actually that speaking is that great of an ROI. It's just more, again, building thought leadership and building a name for yourself and your own brand. So those are the kind of ones that I'm that I'm eyeballing right now. Because most of the guests I've talked to who do a lot of speaking, yeah. that's their primary driver of how they grow their agency. What is why do you view it differently? Um, I don't. I mean, the first thing is like I don't ask for anything. I don't. Um, I try to give as much value, obviously. And I know a lot of. I don't. Depending on the conference, I know that a lot of people will like allow a sales opportunity at the end and say, "Hey, I just launched my course. You guys should all buy it." You know, kind of thing. So I don't know if that's like a main driver of a lot of people, but I guess I also speak to a lot of marketing people and a lot of marketing professional folk that kind of take the knowledge that I'm sharing to use it themselves and not necessarily hire us, right? So those are the, I'm, I'm going for like the bigger conferences if I can uh, and then take it from there. And so, but we, we had had clients and leads come through um, from them, but I don't think like the prep, you know, for the slides the practicing to speak, having the team come out and all that stuff, I could probably write, you know, 10 blog posts instead and then do and spread them out as guest posts. And that would be, that would perform better than actually speaking at an event, to be honest, is what I think. It seems like though, like the, the targeting could be off a little bit is like, if your goal is authority, thought leadership, what you're doing makes a hundred percent sense. Go in front of your peers, speak in front of them, share your ideas so they can, lend you the credibility that, that you're looking for. But if you are trying to drive the ROI, most of the speakers who I, I have spoken with, they're going to the events where their clients are at, where they might be going to like a, a SaaS conference or something like that and talking about how to set up a PPC campaign for your SaaS startup, something like that. Yeah, 100%. And I, and I completely agree with that. And I think it's one of the things that we talked about this a little earlier too. Like we want to start you know, doing our own PPC. Ironically, we want to do, potentially go to conferences and have a team. It doesn't necessarily mean that I'll be speaking at it, but maybe there's like a booth potentially. But if it's a you know double, uh, double whammy, that would be awesome as well. And I think that's super smart. And it's something that I have like, again, load down on my priority list because I think it just takes a lot of, effort and time to, to do it right. Um, but, but yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, like Saster would be pretty rad to eventually eyeball and go to, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> no, and it's funny to see how big Saster has grown over just the past couple of years. So yeah. it definitely seems like one that we, should be we on have the a client. We have a client in New Zealand that's going to it to just have wow. like their booth. <laughs> so that's insane. It, is, it is huge. But no, so to wrap up, Jonathan, honestly, you have given us, 
a ton. You talk fast, you jam yeah. a ton of, of uh, actual tips in there. So there's a ton for readers to digest. So we'll wrap up now. But for, for readers who do want to hear more from you to see what you're up to at Client Boost, where is the best place for them to go? So our website has a lot of information, <laughs> obviously. So it's, again, Client Boost with a K. Actually, if you spell it with a C, you'll still get to the same place. And then, yeah, I mean, subscribe to our blog if you want to. If you think, I, I personally don't subscribe to anything, so it's not really a great salesmanship of me. I, I think the biggest thing too, and, I, and just to touch really briefly on this, is that like you're listening to this podcast right now, um, one of the things I've learned over time is that learn by doing. Um, a lot of people read, consume, watch, and things like that, which is great. Like um, Gary Vaynerchuk has been my idol for a long time. I actually went to go see him in November of last year. And uh, after that, I kind of like just stopped following his, his podcast. So I'm not saying that you guys should stop listening to Andy, but start, start doing more. That's been like the true measure of success for us is that like we just are not afraid to like test things out and, and do and think, you know, big. Because I think I've, I've, we sold ourselves short by the growth that we've already achieved. So, but go to our website and then subscribe if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can now see why speaking might not be the highest ROI activity you can do if that's how you pitch everything. I'm like, listen to what I say, but don't buy anything I'm saying and then just go do it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but no, honestly, though, there is a ton of really great content out there. So I would strongly recommend checking that out. Jonathan, it's been a blast as always chatting with you. So again, thanks so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I'm so blown away that Jonathan and his team were able to not just produce 25 GIF graphics in a couple months, but also coordinated partnerships for each and every one of those. And if you've ever worked on the content team and had to coordinate guest posts, promotions, webinars, anything that requires a partner, you know just how big of a feat it was that Client Boost pulled off. While we talked a lot about how Jonathan thinks about content, how he and his team made this promotion work and their plans going forward, I think it's important to highlight the fact that the only reason they were able to get to where they are today and pull off things like this is because they've made a conscious decision to put the vast majority of their marketing efforts into one area, and that's content. Throughout all of the episodes on this show, we've heard dozens of different strategies and tactics for winning new business, from cold calling to sending somebody a literal message in a bottle. And while some large agencies are able to juggle many of these strategies at once, for most agencies out there, the fastest way to get real results is to go deep with one strategy and keep doubling down until you get diminishing returns. Jonathan runs a PPC agency, and he is just starting to implement PPC campaigns. While that may sound crazy, by focusing on doubling down on their big wins with content, they built nearly a $4 million a year agency in just two years. And now I can't claim that you're going to get those same results, but I am confident enough to say that you're probably trying to do too many things right now and would get better results by focusing on one thing. Figure out what new business strategy works for your business. Commit to devoting time to implementing it every single week and execute. Ignore the shiny objects. That's all I have for you this week. If you enjoyed the show and learned something, head over to iTunes and leave a review. Tell me what it was that you learned. I love hearing from listeners and positive reviews help us grow our audience. So if you can take a second to do that, I'd really appreciate it. And don't forget, if your agency is looking to hire remote contractors or maybe even looking for a few extra projects and are tired of paying huge fees to Upwork, head over to talent.hubstaff.com and create a profile. It's 100% free. All right, I'll talk to you next week. See ya. See ya.